You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Hey, we got the whole crew here tonight. Brian Manning and Jay Johnson are with us, and we're going to talk about some things today. Kind of how we're feeling about the season. We're going to cover some what we think are some offensive challenges and some defensive challenges to walk through. Maybe the top three for each of us, or maybe even the top one. It depends on how the guys feel about theirs. But uh, first, I just wanted to jump in. We my daughter and I, are, who are, my daughter is her sound editor, Catherine and I went over to Fan Day just as fans. We just put on our cokey gear, stood in line in the kind of drizzly rain, and went into the Beamer barn and had our mini helmets signed and, and came back with little pellets from the turf, besides two signed mini helmets. But the observations on Fan Day are interesting. This year, it was very relaxed. The crowd was big, but it was pretty pretty relaxed. They had lots of the cheerleaders out, lots of the spirit squad out. Everybody was, you know, and it was very kid-centric, too. They had kids standing. They literally had kids standing in line to take pictures of the Hokie Bird. I would have on the article coming up, I would have some pictures, but we weren't credentialed. And believe it or not, we were not allowed to take pictures because I guess because of the nil stuff going on, you know, when when you start to take pictures and you're and then you go to publish them and you haven't been given official permission, that gets kind of weird. So we were kind of challenged not to be posing for pictures. Um, Did they tell you you fun. couldn't take pictures? Yeah, I said do not in the sign in the line. Do not pose. It, it was literally do not pose for pictures. So it, it was two to keep the line moving, but there was an undercurrent of. Please don't take, you know, the guys running the lines were like, you know, please don't take pictures because we're not sure exactly what's going on. So, huh. I mean, people have taken personal pictures, but not for like when they found out I'm like media, they're like, no, please, I, you know, because you can't really publish them without permission. So, but I did talk to some of the players to talk to Dax again for the fourth, for, you know, because I, I have a helmet with his full signature on it. And this year, Dax has gotten me. So he got his freshman and his, maybe if he's a superstar at some point, you get Dax, the Dax Hollifield signature on the helmet from freshman year. I don't know. That'd be funny. But I had a chance to say hello to Joe Rudolph and talk to Joe Rudolph, who was first in line on the offensive line as the signatures. And and I'm like, Joe Rudolph, uh, and he got a snicker out of it. I said, how did we get you? I said, out of all the people on the offensive line and all the offensive line coaches in the country, how did we get you? And, you know, it's like, I don't know what Brent Fry's magic was, but I am sure happy to have you here. And he laughed because and he's a very nice guy. He's very, he's very nicely spoken. And he was, I was just kind of watching the coaches as the people were going through the line. Cause you know, it gets long after a while, they get tired and the kids get tired. 
there was not one person who flagged once. Everybody was into it. The little kids, the, the players were eating up the little kids, you know, the little kids running around in a little hokey gear and stuff with the, you know, uh, the T-shirts and the little girls in the little cheerleader outfits. It was pretty cute. And the, all the players were just picking up on it. And they were just, they were, I think they were just feeding off the energy. I think they really did. It was a really fun time and a really great day and a real good introduction for this staff to pick up a nice tradition that was started with Frank and kind of kept going. And although with Frank, it was out in the stadium, it's a good thing it was in the Beamer barn in this time because it started raining about halfway through. So that was fun. If you guys got any observations on what you're seeing in general, I'd like to hear them. Just kind of general top end stuff, you know, what you're hearing from the press, what you're, you know, if you if you guys have been following the media and what, what they're saying and what they're doing, I, I think, I think we're being a little underplayed, but I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's see what you're saying. Well, I'm pretty excited about their social media presence, honestly. Like if you guys aren't following the coaches on social media, check it out. I've very much enjoyed both Bowen and Pry on their social media. It's, it's something that, you know, like that transparency and that engagement that we lacked a little bit from the last administration. And it's fun to see them getting energetic with the players and posting hype videos of their players. Like uh, coach Bowen is putting stuff out like multiple times a day. He's got one up right now that I was watching and I, I think that's great. So not only is it building excitement for the program, you know, it's also building excitement for recruits and it's showing a level of engagement that I think the fan base desperately needs to see, especially considering how opaque the last one was where you just, it was all stoicism. Yeah, and Coach Talk. Yeah, how about you, Brian? Coach Cheetah's actually pretty active on Twitter, too, if you if you guys follow him. Derek Jones, he's he's pretty good follow on there, too. Well, okay. The big thing we got to do on this segment before we close out for the commercials, in the next two segments, we're going to cover something that could get a little long. I don't know if it will or won't. Hopefully, we, we all keep ourselves and I got a feeling we're going to be stepping on each other a little bit, but we need to talk about the challenges, not weaknesses, not strengths, not whatever. Everybody has challenges. Every organization out there has challenges, right? And we're being told by the, the media, the sports media, our fellow people out there that comment on sports, college sports in particular, that, oh, tech's going to, you know, it's going to be meh. And yeah, we, we know that the record might be a challenge, but there's just a definite lack of enthusiasm out there. I think that's a mistake, but we are going to have challenges to meet. So the next segment, we'll go over the offensive challenges that we think. And segment three, we'll talk about defensive challenges. Guys, the number one challenge, of course, is getting over the hump. And I mean, this is the hump. This, is, this was always the hard part. Remember halfway through practice season, if you ever, it doesn't matter what you were playing in, in our case, and Brian's in my case is football, but that halfway through, you know, you get over the halfway mark and then your practices start to change because now you're not doing general stuff. You're, you're actually practicing for that first opponent, maybe for the first two opponents, and you're trying to nail down the first really key sets of plays. So Brian, you know, what's the what's the biggest coaching challenge that you think that they're going to hit? I don't know if it's as much as a coaching challenge, because I think 
this entire roster, I believe, has bought in to this entire coaching staff, both offensively and defensively. I wonder sometimes, I, I wonder about the talent level. I think we've discussed that pretty much every time we've just, you know, wrote an article or anything since Fry came over. He was going to have to address some of the talent deficiencies from the recruiting misses over the final few years of the Fuente area. But as far as the coaching challenges, I really think this staff, this the entire team has bought in. You've not really seen outside of Tavion Robinson, who transferred before we ever had a head co- new head coach, you haven't really seen any impact guys leave. Guys that we need, you see mostly guys who they've kind of pushed out to, to create more roster spots. So I, I don't know that there's a coaching challenge per se. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I think we'll probably pick it up on the other side of the commercial break here. But, Jay, you've got something? Yeah, so I just wanted to push back just a little bit. I think there is some excitement, man. Like Kirk Herbstreit on Twitter earlier this month was talking about Eddie Royal. I don't know if you saw a social media post that Virginia Tech football's official account put out with Eddie Royal visiting and uh, talking to the players. And uh, Kirk Herbstreit, like put out on on Twitter, he's like, college football misses the hostility of Lane Stadium, House of Pain, and the Hokies being a legit threat every year. Here's to Coach Pry getting the Hokie Nation back. So I, I think there is some building of excitement. I think another part of it is is simply the college football landscape is dominated by a tremendous amount of stories this year already. You know, between the effects of the NIL, you know, all of the coaching changes that happened in the Power Five, like it doesn't surprise me that maybe the Virginia Tech stories not as electric as it was when Coach Fuente first showed up, where that was just all over the place and there was a tremendous amount of excitement. I think we're just dealing with a glut of media associated with college football. But I think the people that do pay attention closely, people like Kirk Herbstreet, who has a the Hokies have a special place in his heart, they're pretty pumped about it and they are talking about it. Yeah. As we break to commercial, yeah, I do remember and I was kind of harsh with him. Kirby was not real thrilled with Fuente back two years ago. And it was kind of like, a oh, man, he does not fit. This actually two and a half seasons ago back after the Duke debacle. So it, it is kind of interesting to see a little bit more of a drumbeat coming. So I'm hoping that happens. Right now, we got to go pay the bills. And we actually got two commercial breaks in the last podcast instead of two commercials lumped in the first break. So. Let's hope they do it right again. So we'll be back after these messages. Welcome back after the commercial break. Hopefully, whatever it is, is was interesting. <laughs> now we got something more interesting. We're going to talk about challenges. First up is the offense. Since we have kind of a we've mixed bag as far as the previews, just to keep it interesting, I'm going to let Brian about his, what he thinks his offensive challenges are. Brian, give me give me what you think are the first challenges for the offense. One one is is offensive line depth. If you look at the last two years, we have lost a ton of good players. You, you look at Christian Derisaw. You look at obviously we lost Nestor and Hudson a, a, the same year as, as Derisaw by transfer, obviously, who they should have been seniors this year starting. But you have you've lost last year Smith who was a three-year starter, Hoffman, who was a multi-year starter, and you lost Tenuta, who was also a multi-year starter. And you're, you're replacing all those guys this year. You got a new O-line coach, who I think is an upgrade, obviously an upgraded O-line coach. So I, want, I worry about that. I do think our starting five could be really good. You got Silas Danzi at, at one tackle spot, and you got 
the Moore brothers, you got Caden Moore, who's a sophomore this year. I think he's an all ACC player this year as a sophomore. And you yeah. got his little brother who who started out as a defensive lineman. He's a freshman. He's already moved to the offensive line. I believe he starts before the season's over with. Yeah. I really like the offensive line, but I am worried about the depth there. And that's I think a lot of teams probably worry about their offensive line depth because it's really one of the most important positions and you lose one guy in it. But I do like that. I don't think Rudolph's going to rotate guys so much like the the previous coach did. And I, I, I never liked that. So Well, he is going to rotate, though, but he's going to rotate differently. He's not going to be rotating positions as much as he's going to be rotating ones and twos and threes in the games. He's he's pretty famous for that. When the pressure starts to come off, he tries to get guys in so that they get reps and they get in their positions. I'm of the mindset on the offensive line, you you pick five and you go with your best five. Like when you're blowing out somebody, you then you bring in young guys to get them some reps. But I'm all about to get your five best and keep them in there, yeah. build continuity. But as far as that, that's a concern with the offensive line depth. And, of course, quarterback. We talk about quarterback. We've not had adequate quarterback play for a couple of years. We had Hooker, who we know he can play. He's obviously yeah. shown that. Yeah, Burmeister last year, who who I love Burmeister's competitiveness, but we really had no passing game with what we had at quarterback last year. And Grant Wells, I I do believe he's gonna he can light things up in the passing game. We worry about the turnover issues, and if he gets a chance to play, I think he's gonna make some big plays. But will he play himself out of a job? In that case, you got Jason Brown, which is a good thing because last year. If your starter went down, you didn't have a true backup. This year, you've got two starting quality players, and I like that. It, it remains to be seen if the position is going to be a strength or a weakness. But as far as the pass catchers, I, I like our pass catchers. They're all most of them are outside of Jaden Blue. You know, they're it's a young group, but I really like them. I really like the tight ends. I think we're going to surprise some people with our skill players. Yeah. So hey, Jay, what you got? immediately echo the sentiment with regards to the offensive line. I mean, when you're looking at the ACC just as a whole, the ACC has some of the best defensive lines in all of college football. Clemson and Pittsburgh probably have the two best defensive lines, and we're going to face them. NC State's no joke, and neither is Miami. Both of those are probably, all three of them are top 25. You know, Pittsburgh's going to be particularly difficult, and we have to face all three of them in a row. And I think that's going to be painful for our offensive line, especially if we have injuries. The quarterback situation is fraught. We'll see what happens. I think Grant Wells is probably going to be our best choice for the starter. Not that Jason Brown's not going to have a capability and play making capability. But even then, I think the overall issue that I'm really concerned with is that if Malachi Thomas gets injured and goes down for any extended period of time, that offense is going to be in trouble because we just don't have a lot of depth. I mean, we have three top running backs, and then it this we have one top running back. We have two dudes that are also pretty good, but Malachi Thomas is the only star. But yeah, well, Thomas is the only kid that can go inside out. The other two, Holston is inside inside, and and of course, yeah, everybody else right now is outside. If Malachi Thomas goes down, I I think that that running back group is going to struggle more than maybe we think. Right now, there's there's some some mystery around Malachi Thomas. He wasn't at practice a couple of days last week, and you're getting mixed signals on if he's hurt. He's around Blacksburg, so you you would lead to think he's hurt. But Price said there was no significant injuries, so you really just don't know what to think right now. But hopefully, it's all good. There might be some gun shyness, right? Because they don't want him to get hurt. Like they understand yeah. the athleticism that he has, the capability that he has. So 
I'm not saying it's quite remember, to the level of the also, NFL, but but remember they're also singing the praises of Holston. So I'm not saying know, Holston's not going to be bad. I'm just saying I'm just, Malachi Thomas is is yeah, the superstar in the backfield and yeah, on the he's, offense. He's the guy that could do both jobs. Me, offensive challenges for me in the last three minutes here. One, keeping momentum in the red zone. Something that, that we did fine, and this team as a whole, which is largely the same, pretty much intact team as far as a lot of the skills, it was fine between the 20s. But as soon as you got inside the 20, momentum stopped. Tyler Bowen's going to have to beat that. That's one of the things that he's going to have to do is he's going to have to keep the momentum going in the red zone and keep the ball moving in the red zone and still eat up yards and not end up kicking field goals. Like I said, the minus fours build up to losses. You've got to get the ball across the the goal line. Brian, it goes without saying with the quarterback situation, is Brown is varying the pass enough for Brown if it's Brown. And we should be hearing this week sometime who's starting. Uh, They've promised us this week after this last scrimmage that they were going to start ponying up to the bar and tell us who's going to start a quarterback and actually publish the first depth chart. We'll see. I get the feeling that they might push that a little bit. We'll, we'll see what happens Wednesday. And, it, and of course, Wells is keeping Wells on his feet and keeping the pressure down enough and giving him enough varied patterns so that he doesn't throw the ball to the wrong helmet. His targeting skills to the wrong hat are, are a little concerning to everybody who's watched his stats. I mean, he, yeah, he throws a beautiful ball. Just, I just don't want him throwing a beautiful ball to the wrong guy. The last is, and this is with Jay, it's not really the last. It's actually the most important thing with me, and it's establishing that run game. If we don't establish the run game, we're in trouble. Whether it's Malachi Thomas, whether Holston can step up, or whether they can vary between packages, get packages shifting in and out so that we can keep the ball moving inside and outside to keep the direction flow kind of unpredictable. Remember, with the old read option they were running, it was so predictable, it was pathetic. It was an option read off of a dive. And come on, how many times can you run that before somebody figures out, okay, we'll just key both guys in the hole and shut it down? It's so, so what we're going to see, hopefully, is some variation. King, I'm hoping that they get him out, let him do some screens, not constant screens, not constant bubbles. I want to see him get out there and move. I want to see some of the guys, the speed guys out there. I want to see him stretch the field. Okay, well, he throws a beautiful ball and throw a beautiful ball to Cole on a fly route, right? Cole Beck hitting him on a fly route. I think that'd excite the crowd. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a nice list of offensive challenges, guys. I mean, I can't can't argue with any of that. When we come back from the next commercial break, we'll get back into it and we'll go to the defense and talk about some of the defensive challenges. And I think there's some more there even than than what we have on the offense in a lot of respects. And we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back from the break, everybody. I'm here with John and Brian. We just finished talking about the offense and some of the potential challenges we see the offense having to face. So now we're going to move to the other side of the ball and take a look at what the Hokies could potentially face on defense. For me, I would have to say the top three challenges, the first one's not going to be a surprise. The defensive line, I think, is probably going to be the biggest one. After that, I would say linebacker size. We'll see, like, we have talented, experienced, athletic linebackers. But 
you know, that's another place where the ACC is just pretty wealthy in talent. And while Virginia Tech's going to be on the top half, I think, of the ACC talent, I don't think they're going to be an elite unit in the ACC. And then the same thing that I have with the offense, overall depth. If we have injuries at key positions, if Dax Hollyfield or Tisdale are out for significant amounts of time, that defense is really going to struggle. They're going to need their leaders and their playmakers. If Chamari Connor gets hurt, we just don't have the depth necessarily to fill those holes quite yet. But John, what do you think? What do you see on defense that's going to be the head herder going in to the start well, of the season? It's the D-line. And it's the magic three of the D-line. They've got to get initial penetration that stops the offensive momentum. I mean, any of those of us that have fought in the trenches before know that the defensive line's primary job is to stop the offensive line's momentum. And that's by getting penetration. The defensive line's going to have to get natural pressure on the quarterback. That also means that we're also going to have to adapt and adjust because I don't think there's enough size, not necessarily weight-wise, I mean in tree-tall size, especially in the defensive end and what they call the stud tackle position. That particular setup right now, we just don't have the height, which means we're not going to put the vertical pressure on the quarterback, which means blitzes, right? That's going to be another pressure on the linebackers because you're going to have some, probably the mic, and it's going to be Hollifield, is going to be assigned more, I think a more heavy mic role where he ends up being that kind of fifth lineman to help push the pressure. I just think that's the, what they're going to end up having to do. And like I said, back again with the natural pre- pressure on the quarterback, if they can't pick that up over the season and get better at it, it's going to be a struggle. And then, of course, Hey, they got to control the line of scrimmage. I mean, I, you know, even if you can't get necessary penetration, you need to get in. You need to close the holes down. You need to make everybody spread out. You need to shove people around. You need to contain, you know, so you contain the situation. It's something that we haven't had in a lot of years. Brian, uh, uh, you know, how about you? Another area challenge for me is who's going to step up at cornerback opposite of Dorian Strong. We know Strong's got one spot locked down. Chapman's back for another year. You want to see one of the young guys step up, DJ Harvey, Cam Johnson, one of those guys. We have developed some good players like Mario Kendricks, Narell Pollard, Josh Fug. I like those guys, but I worry if one, one guy gets hurt on the inside, where are we left at at defensive tackle? The, the incoming freshman, Malachi Madison, may impact that room quicker than we imagine. And then you worry on, on the on the edge rusher side, you have Taiwan Garbett, who's been around. He's kind of like Dax. They've been around forever. Good player. Still waiting on that breakout campaign, but a really good player. And opposite of him, it looks like Cole Nelson, who's a true sophomore, is going to be the starter opposite him. And I've heard a lot of good things about him. Seeing some of his highlights from high school, he looks like a pretty good player. But the depth, again, is another issue. It's young, but there, there's depth there. It's just young and unproven. You got Jalen Griffin, who's who's back, in, back again. It seems like he's been around forever as well. So there's some mix of youth and experience, but there's no – do we have a 10-sack guy on this roster? I don't know. I mean, maybe Cole Nelson or Matthias Carroll are, are those guys, but but I don't know right now. And secondly, I want to know at cornerback, who's going to step up opposite of Dorian Strong? We know Dorian Strong's locked in at one spot, and there's a, a lot of guys in contention for, for the other spots. 
Chapman's back, and there's our guy DJ Harvey, who I think's got a bright future. I wonder who's going to emerge at corner. The issue that we're going to run into with the defense that, that you know the backfield that I can see is the fact that I was talking to Josh the other day, and we were kind of going, "Yeah, we have really good ones and no twos. We got some good threes that are still threes that are still inexperienced, but in the defensive backfield." We just don't have a whole lot of twos. We go from really good to completely inexperienced. And that makes me nervous because, you know, printing backwards and sideways constantly on every play, back and forth, back and forth. It's like running suicides. Eventually, you got to come out, right? So you're going to have to have somebody come out to take a breather. And that means putting somebody in who's a three instead of a two. I think we're going to be fine at safety. I like a lot of the young players we have at safety, like Greg Stroman's little brother, Jalen Stroman's one of the guys that stands out to me at safety. But you, you got you need some of these young guys like Jalen Hoyle or Elijah Howard, or Nike Johnson, some of these Mansoor Delane, who's a true freshman, who as well, who I like a lot, and Cameron Johnson, who's another true freshman. I believe those true freshmen, especially Johnson, can make an impact this fall. Yeah, and that's going to be in your article coming up. I mean, you've got defensive backs. I've got the special teams coming up. But like I said, these guys are threes. Now, some of them are going to be twos. I mean, you know by the third or fourth game, some of them are going to have stepped up to twos, and they're going to be challenging the ones. But it's that first few games where we got to build some momentum getting into the season, get past a couple of these opponents, maybe surprise Jay and beat West Virginia you know, I don't think so. I don't think West Virginia is that good, but that's okay. It's never that good. They always, you know, they I mean, they beat us last time because we blew it. They got more talent on that team this time around than they did when they beat us. Uh, and well, maybe. I think another thing we got to take a look at, and this plagues the entire defense, pretty much every unit except for the linebacking starters are undersized. Even our safeties aren't very That big. is true. That is, you know, like hopefully true. Stroman's going to get a couple more pounds put on him with the strength and conditioning team here. But I mean, I think the last I saw he's 187 pounds, like that's a small safety. So hopefully these guys are going to have good technique because they're not just going to be blowing some of these wide receivers or running backs off their feet when they get into the secondary, because they're not particularly big. Yeah. I think that is the number one challenge for all over the entire defense is undersized in this This is not a Fuente thing. This has been all the way back to Bud Foster. Bud Foster loved his undersized defenses that were fast and he can move them around and do all sorts of stuff. So, you know, Foster lived off of the bug nuts blitz, right? All that zone blitzing he did and everything. He needed lightweight guys. He needed defensive ends that could drop back into coverage. So he needed that to happen so he could blitz a safety. He needed a defensive end to go out and play safety. Well, you can't do that when you have a full-size defensive end, can you? It's a little hard. You might be able to get him to knock down a tight end, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, so, not unless you're dealing with, like, the elite dudes like Josh Allen's out there, which are, yeah. like, generational. Yeah, and they're generational in A, they play for Alabama or Tech. Exactly. You know, somebody, somebody <laughs> that's going to pay. Hey, so we've gone over some of the challenges. We've gone over some of our strengths and weaknesses it's one of those things that we're just going to have to grit our teeth and see how things develop. We have quality people out there. We've got really good coaches, but 
the last big challenge of both the defense and the offense that I can think of is that there's nobody that has first line experience in this side of the league other than Joe Rudolph. You know, now, now we do have Brent Pry, but he hasn't been a head coach. He's been a position coach or, you know, a, a DC. So we have a lot of people who are at this level, at their next level up other than Joe Rudolph. And Rudolph seems to be very comfortable where he is doing what he's doing. We'll see one day if he ever wants to be a head coach and then we'll lose him. But I'm hoping that he sticks around for a while because we really need that quality. I don't think Brent Pry's going anywhere if he's successful. I anticipate Brent Pry thinking that he's the next Frank Beamer. That he's just going to be hope here he for is. a long time. And he just loves being here. You could tell it. He was eating it up yesterday, yesterday at Fan Day. He was mugging for the camera and doing stuff. He, you know, he was just. It wasn't just sitting behind the table signing autographs. He was, he was out there doing things. You know, posing with the Hokie Bird. Posing, he was talking with people. I, one thing I didn't see was Travis Wells. It would have been nice to have seen Travis Wells, but I would imagine that it's going to take him a little time to get completely disengaged and started up in the office. So, but. It's an exciting season coming up. Next week, we'll probably get a chance to talk a little bit more about what we're going to see because we should know about the depth chart, hopefully. Because remember, we got to what is it, two week, two and a half week countdown now? First game is September 2nd, and we are now officially halfway through August. So we only have what, how many days? Two and a, we got two and a half weeks. Hey, did you guys, uh, I know that we're, we're closing up. Did you guys see Blackshear? Two touchdowns, man, in the preseason game. No, no I didn't I miss that. I, yeah. I didn't I missed it. Cool. Yeah, he I, had two touchdowns for the Bills, and Barno had a fumble recovery and basically forced pressure on a quarterback that caused him to throw an interception. They both had real good games. I was watching the Panthers Commanders, so I saw Barno. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I, I want to see a lot of Hokies make the roster. It's good recruiting news. You know, it's, it was so cool to see Wyatt Teller. Of course, Wyatt Teller's from from my old neck of the woods in the Northwest District of AA football in Virginia back before they changed it to AAA, something else. And my Brentsville District High School played Liberty all the time. It's pretty exciting to see him do that well. And having seen him play in high school, which he killed us constantly, <laughs> he was really good. So, hey, guys, it was great get together this week. Next week, we'll get together and we'll have a little bit more to talk about, maybe some specifics. Hopefully, we get that they get that depth chart announced like they promised, and we can start talking about who they got plugged in and how the plugs are working. So if everybody will have a good week, and we know Jay's moving into his new digs, which is going to be pretty exciting for him, and Brian's got all his dogs that he's got to take care of, and we all have work. So if everybody... We'll uh, remember how we sign out of here and remind all uh, all of our fans. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.